Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. I have a strong word to bring today. God, you know that because you gave it to me. You gave it to others before I ever preached it. You've found it important enough, important enough to put it in your word, to preserve it. Speak to us today. I didn't come just to have church. God, I come to hear from you. There is a great overwhelming weight and responsibility that I feel today. And I pray, God, that the hearers of this word this morning, including myself, will will sense a responsibility as they hear it. It's not good enough just to be hearers of the word. We must be doers of the word. The word calls us to action. It causes us to stop some things, to let some things go, to pick up some things, to change direction. God, this is what your word instructs us to do. Now, we love you today. We give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. If you will, for the next few moments, keep them moving down to a minimum. You've seen that cute video that they play that was sweet and that's the nice warning please don't be a distraction today turning your bibles to galatians chapter 5 and i want you to read this but not just read it i want you to read it read it like comprehend what you're reading. Say amen. Amen. It's pretty plain and simple. Galatians chapter 5 verse 19. Are you ready? Here we are. Now the works of the flesh, they're obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity. Does anybody need any illustrations of any of these things broaden your understanding to these or are they simple enough simple go back let's look at it again now the works of the flesh are obvious sexual immorality moral impurity promiscuity idolatry. That's anything that you put above God. It could be a hobby. It could be sports. It could be your new boyfriend. Your chick on the side. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. Money. Sorcery which includes manipulation, which God says is disobedience, also lumps that up in a disobedience. Hatred. You know you can't hate the person, anybody. I'm not, I told the 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock service, I'm not so sure you can't not like somebody. Because I'm, I'm go big or go home. I go all the way or none of the way, you see. And I can't just not like somebody. The people I wind up not liking, I wind up hating. So I just got to like everybody. I got to find something about all y'all that I like. (laughs) You hear me? I just can't not like you. I I, got to like you and love you. No room for hatred. No room for strife. And let's... No room for jealousy. No room for jealousy. That's an inward sin, you see. 
At jealousy doesn't come out, but it will come out. And then it looks like outburst of anger. Selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions. You know what that is? Factions is a little group over here causing strife. Away from the big group, sowing seeds of discourse. Works of the flesh. Dissent. Back, Bill. I'm sorry. Dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness. Did you hear what I said? You can't get drunk. Some of y'all sobering up right now. Had to take Tylenol and aspirin and goody powder. You done drunk seven pots of coffee. And it's really not funny. Carousing, they go hand in hand, usually. <laughs> and then Paul said, anything similar to what I just said. So if you want to add something to it, or if you don't think I called out one of the things that you got going on, anything like that, I'm warning you. Hear it. I'm warning you. As I've warned you before, that those who, are you reading it with me now? Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You will not go to heaven as a drunkard. You will not go to heaven as a whoremonger, someone who sleeps with everybody. You won't, am I clear enough? You will not go to heaven doing those things. I'm sorry, this gospel is a gospel of holiness. Now, some, I know I don't want, y'all don't want me to preach like this. I don't want to preach like this. But God said, I've got to preach like this sometimes. We've got to have a hatred for sin. But I'm afraid that we love the, the world and sin as much as the world loves itself and sin. Paul said, you are, now listen, let me, let me say this. I'm not talking about someone who's struggling with these things. I'm not talking about someone who goes down to the altar or days, they, they cry hot tears of repent and remorse. No, I'm talking about the person who's practicing such. I'm talking about the person who says, this is who I am. I, I'm going to do these things. I love church. And I love Pastor Caleb. He's so funny. When he gets up there, and he, he's a good preacher, and I just love that remnant church, and I'm going to go there, but this is what I do, and this is who I am, and you're practicing these things, and you make these things your lifestyle. The Bible says you'll go to church, but you won't go to heaven. You'll go to church, and you'll hear a word, but you will not stand in front of the word and hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Romans chapter 13. Paul, here again, is warning us. He said, figure out what time it is. And I'm saying that to you this morning. You better figure out what time it is. You better look around you and see that this world is growing dark. This world is growing cold. Time is ticking. Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back for a holy church. He's coming back for a church that hates sin and loves him. He's coming back for a church, not for someone who was raised in church, but has been raised to newness of life in Christ Jesus. It's already the hour. It's time to wake up from sleep because now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Rescue, that's what salvation means. He's talking about your rescue, your rapture, the rapture of the church. 
Go back. The rapture of the church is nearer than when you first got saved. Jesus is coming. Now, let me just say this because maybe you're wondering what I think. Maybe you don't care what I think. But I'm the preacher. And I'm at this pulpit. And I'm holding the mic. So here it goes. You ready? What we sing Tuesday. In, in, a, in, a, in a debate or whatever. Let me tell you something. And they were both doing their thing. But you know what? I watched that, and you know what I took away? I was sad. Sad. Who do you like, pastor? I'm a pastor. I like God. And I love both of those men. But they are just men, you see. Both of them. And then neither one of them could raise the dead if they had holy water from the, a tub full of it from the brooks of Jerusalem. Do you hear what I'm saying? They can't save your soul. They cannot do anything for you. They can't rescue you. And by the way, this world isn't going to get better. It's not. It's not. It's not. Well, let me ask you. Maybe you mean the economy will get better. But is that what you're so wrapped up in? The economy? What about the sex trafficking? What about the abortions that take place in a hospital and on the street? What about, what about the man who overdoses and the, and the teenager who slits their wrist and bleeds to death and dies? Friend, man can't make that better. And I'm telling you right now, as a man of God... Jesus is coming soon. And you can get all tied up and wrapped up in a debate if you want to. But my hope doesn't come from man. My hope is in God. And let me tell you, let me tell you this. This world, this world is going to grow wicked, worse, wickedly worse. It's not going to get better. Bible, you want to know what the truth is? Oh, God, I told Holly, I wish I could get up there and debate them. Because I could out-debate it, both of them. And this is what I'd say. This is what the Bible says. This is what God says. There will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be famines. There, the, 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 the love of many will wax cold. Children will turn their back on their parents and become disobedient. They'll become lovers of themselves and haters of God. But then the gospel of God is going to cover the whole earth. And then Christ shall return. the news. That's the gospel. I'm shaking this world off. I'm living for heaven. This isn't my home. Well, those who practice these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Why did I read you these two passages? Because I want you to see how God thinks about sin. He hates sin. And as a child of God, we are to hate sin. We are to hate. Not just hate when it comes to our home, or when it comes to our family and entertain it on the television, no, you're supposed to abhor it, hate it, can't stand it, don't want to hear it, can't watch it, can't look at it, can't shoot it up, can't snort it, can't smoke it, can't swallow it, can't deal with it, can't have it around you, don't want anything to do with it, disdain it, abhor it, have a holy 
hatred for it. Are you hearing me this morning? You cannot love sin and love God. You cannot love sin and hate God. God will have nothing to do with sin. And if I've ever, hear me now, get this good, write it down. If I have ever stood up here and downplayed the danger of sin, I have done you a disservice. Sin will tear you apart. Sin's like a tornado that goes through a neighborhood. In the moment before you know it, it's on the ground. And in a minute, it wipes through a neighborhood. And then the next day, the news is there. And oftentimes, the sun's shining and the weather's beautiful and they're showing you what has happened. You would never know a tornado went through there except for the wreckage. As you see the path that the tornado traveled. See, sin doesn't tell you about tomorrow. Sin doesn't tell you about tomorrow. Sin causes you to live in today. It, it wants you to think no further than what you can smell or see or taste or touch or feel. It don't worry about tomorrow. You hear me this morning. Sin just wants you to focus on right now. But I'm telling you, if you give sin an inch, if you give sin a moment, if you play with sin, if you play with sin, friend, sin will kill you. I have, I have, I have watched my last marriage be torn apart in this church. Not our marriage, people's marriages. I've seen, I'm sick of it. I can't stand it. I have seen sin ravage and pillage men and women. And I'm telling you this morning, and I'm preaching to you like I may never have another chance to preach to you again. And I made my mind up that that's how I was going to preach. And I'm telling you this morning, if you don't hear anything from me again, if something happens to me or something happens to you, I want you to understand this. Don't give sin an inch. Don't give sin a chance. Don't play with it. Sin. We'll destroy you. Don't smoke it. Don't hug it. Don't rub upon it. Don't talk to it. Don't message it. Don't tweet it. Don't text it. Don't Snapchat it. Don't lay with it. Don't kiss it. Don't caress it. Don't let it come over and spend the night. Don't go over there and stay with it. Don't put it in the corner. Put it out. Get it out of your home. Get it out of your marriage. Get it out of your family. Get it out of your homes. Get it out. Get it out. Get it out. Get it out. Has no place in the life of a child of God. Are you listening to me this morning? You might make up your mind that this isn't the church you thought it was. Well, I'm okay with that. Because I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll fight all of hell to keep your soul out of hell. I'll preach to you till you don't like me because I love you this morning. And I want to tell you the truth. I want you to look at an Old Testament story. I know we don't have a lot of time. But I want to show you how much God hates sin. It's an Old Testament story. You've got Samuel, who's the prophet of God. You've got Saul, who is a king of Israel. <clears throat> and you have Am Agag, who is the king of the Amalekites. Let me just share something with you about Agag, King Agag. And you can turn there to 1 Samuel chapter 15. Agag, his forefather was Esau. This is important. Esau and Jacob, they were brothers. You can find this in the book of Genesis. One day, 
Esau come in from hunting. He was hungry, and he seen his brother Jacob with a bowl of chili, soup, oyster stew, whatever, food. And he come in from eat, uh, from hunting, and he said, Mmm, I am so hungry. Jacob, could I have some of your chili? He said, sure. You can have some of my chili. But it's going to cost you. He said, well, what would it cost me? He said, Give me your inheritance. You think sin just wants to give you stuff? No, sin wants to take stuff from you. He said, I'll give you all the chili I got. Just give me your inheritance. See, Esau was the firstborn, which means he got double of everything from his father. Jacob said, I'll give you the chili. Just give me your inheritance. That sounds so stupid, doesn't it? Who would do that for chili? My God, there'd have to be some good chili, right? It'd have to be really good chili. But I've noticed this, sin will cause you to do stupid things. Ever, ever, ever sin and said, my God, I'm stupid? You got to the place where sin drug you to and you thought, how did I get there? How stupid I am. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Sin will cause you to do stupid things. And guess what Esau done? He said, sure, I'll give you my inheritance. Give me that bowl of chili. Esau represents the flesh. What you'll do in the moment. Forgetting about what makes sense. Forgetting about tomorrow. Focusing just on the moment. What you feel like you need. What you feel like you want. And Agag, the king of Amalek, was the, his forefather was Esau. Esau represents the flesh. Agag represents the flesh. Let me just paraphrase it here. God speaks to Samuel, the prophet. And he says, tell Samuel, he says, I want you to go tell Saul something. He said, you go tell them to kill all of the Amalekites. Completely destroy, there it is, everything that they have. Do not spare them, not one. Kill men and women, infants, nursing babies, oxen, sheep, camels, donkeys, cats, dogs, all of them. Wipe them out. Annihilate them. Destroy them. Leave nothing. Take nothing with you. So Saul has his marching orders. Saul goes out and he destroys, verse 7, the Amalekites. He captured King Agag of Amalek alive. But he completely destroyed all the rest of the people with a sword. Saul and the troops spared Agag, the best of the sheep, the goats, the cattle, young rams, and the best of everything else. They were not willing to destroy them, but they did destroy all the worthless and unwanted things. He halfway did his job, didn't he? Verse 12 says, early in the morning, Samuel got up to confront Saul. But when it was reported to Samuel, Saul went to Carmel where he set up a monument for himself. Then he turned around and went to Gilgal. When Samuel came to him, Saul said, now listen to this foolishness. And we do this today. Samuel, the prophet of God, comes up to Saul. Are you listening? And Saul said, hey, Pastor Samuel, May the Lord bless you today. How are you? So good to see you. Just want to let you know, I've done everything the Lord told me to do. You're going to be 
proud of me. Whoa, you should have been out there when I was kicking their tail. Beat them up. Slaughtered them. Annihilated them. And then Samuel saw in this big old grin on his face, Samuel says, well, what is that that I hear? Wait a minute. You done what? I killed them all. Saul, Samuel said, but why do I hear the sound of sheep, goats, cattle? See, let me tell you something real quick. If you don't do what God tells you to do about sin, if you don't get it out of your life, if you don't completely destroy it, you will not be able to hear the sound of the sheep in your life. The Holy Spirit, you'll no longer be able to hear the bleeding of the Holy Spirit. You'll never, you, you'll begin not to hear sin making a noise in your life. Your heart will grow callous. Your, your heart will grow cold. You'll okay sin. You'll, you'll decide, you know, it's all right. I'll just do this. It's, it's not that big of a deal. But the fact is, it is a big deal. Sin doesn't know how to behave. Sin doesn't know how to stay in the corner. Sin will have all of you or it'll have none of you. He said, what's the bleeding of the sheep? What's that noise? And then verse 20, he said, but I did obey the Lord. Saul answered, I went on the mission the Lord gave me. I brought back King Agag of Amalek and I completely destroyed the Amalekites. Now listen to this. It was their fault. It was the troops. They took the sheep. They took the goats. They took the cattle. I've done what you said. It's their fault, friend. Hear me. When you start trying to keep sin in your life, you'll start blaming everybody else for everything sin and your choice and for your choices and what sin has done in your life. You know what you'll say? It's her fault. I wouldn't have slept with that person and cheated on them if they would have held up to their end of the deal. Sin. I wouldn't have done that if, if they would have done that. Sin. I wouldn't have broke up my marriage. I wouldn't have done that if, if, if I was getting the attention I needed at home. Shut up. Shut up. Spare us. You spared Agag. You spared sin in your life. That's the reason you're in the situation you're in. Sin does not come to be a pet. It comes to plunder. It comes to steal from you, to kill from you, and destroy you. I did everything you said. You know, I think some of us think because we're good Christians. Some of y'all think if... If I go to church now, I give God money, do the tithe thing, I get a blue shirt and start serving, sit on the front row, I mean, I'm serving God. Some of this, I deserve some. Me time. What, what you're really saying is I, I deserve a little bit of sin. So, men, you say, I'll spend a little bit of time. I ain't cheating on my wife. I'm just looking at pornography. Come on, let's be real. I'm not having a real affair, not a real one, but I do do that texting thing, that sexting thing. What the? 
What is that? Is that okay? It's just a little. It's, once again, it goes back to how we like our that person who's eating really good, and I'll, I'll have a lunch meeting with them. I'm there. I can tell they order water to drink. And I'll just have, I don't ever go to sit down at the restaurant and say, I'll just have, they say, I'll just have a side salad with lettuce, no bacon, no cheese, no egg, just a sprinkle of cheese and dressing oh, 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 on the side. Just a little drizzle on the side. And I think, God, I'm going to order the whole menu. <laughs> I'm going to eat that part and my part. But you know, that's how we like sin. We don't like our lettuce to be, we don't like to be drenched all in it. Just give us a little bit of sin on the side. And every now and then, I can dip over here. Oh, come on, somebody. You know I'm telling the truth. You know I'm telling the truth. I just dip over here. On the side, I don't want. I don't need it on Sunday. I got to do the church thing on Sunday, and then you know. But uh, now and then, I need to just dip over here on the side. Call him up. Hey, baby, what you doing? Don't tell me it don't happen. Y'all act like I'm I'm a fool. You act like I'm a fool. I'm telling you things I've dealt with now. I'm, I'm a tired man, I'll be honest with you. I give out. I'm tired because every week, every week, every week, I'm counseling somebody. I'm talking to somebody. And you know what? When they walk out my door, you know what I'm thinking? You know the common denominator in all of this? Flesh and sin. You can change the stories. You can change the characters. But there's one common denominator. It's flesh and it's sin. And it doesn't play by the rules. Hey, create the rules that you want to. Create whatever rules you want to. Sin does not follow your boundaries. Sin does not follow your rules. It's lawlessness. It knows no rules. So Saul, Samuel, excuse me, shares his displeasure with Saul. He said, Saul, you sinned against God. And you know what it says? Look in verse 26. Are you there? Are you okay? Samuel replied to Saul, I will not return with you because you rejected the word of the Lord. You sinned, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. Hear me. He didn't say he, he rejected him as son. He rejected him as king. You better hear me, husbands. You'll lose your family. Play with sin. You'll lose your family. You'll lose your homes. You'll lose your power. You'll lose your authority. You'll lose your husbandship. You might not lose your soul, but you'll lose everything that you hold dear. And yes, there is restoration for you, but friend, you'll never get back your reputation and you'll never get back your influence and you'll never get back your authority. Wife, the same thing. You don't sin in a vacuum. When you sin, it affects others. It affects your children. It affects your home. It affects your spouse. It affects your church. It scatters the sheep. It causes doubt. Saul rejected him from being king over Israel. 
Samuel says, where is Agag? Where's the king? Now you, you spared the king. Where's he at? You better listen to me. All the moving going on right in here, settle down. Listen. Samuel said, bring me Agag. Agag thought, oh, this is the prophet. This is the preacher. Let me just tell you, we got too many limp-wristed, uh, beating around the bush preachers today that don't want to tell you the truth. And I do not want to stand before God when God calls account to every message they preached. I done made up my mind. I love God too much to be afraid to say something because I might hurt your feelings. I'd rather hurt your feelings. I'd rather the gospel offend you and you not go to hell than me tiptoe around how you feel and what's going on in your life. And scared you might think that I think that I, that you think that I know what's going on in your life. So I'm preaching at you and I looked at you a funny way. We got to be all past that, right? Samuel said, bring me Agag. Agag thought, well, look, they're going to let, this is the prophet. Surely, he's going to show me kindness. This is the preacher. There's prophets say, I'll follow their rules and I'll serve their God. And Samuel said, bring me Agag. Agag comes. Samuel does what Saul would not do. Samuel took out his sword and he hacked Agag into pieces. He didn't chop his head off. He didn't stab him. He slaughtered him. He cut Agag into pieces. He cut him into pieces. And I just thought about this. First Samuel chapter 15. Why would, they, why would Samuel do that? That sounds so extreme, doesn't it? How disgusting. How cruel. Listen to what it says right here in verse 2 of Samuel chapter 15. I witnessed what the Amalekites did to the Israelites. I understand Samuel. I understand him hacking Agag into a hundred pieces. I understand it. Because see, he's seen what the Amalekites done to the Israelites. He heard the stories of what the Amalekites did to the, and I hear the stories. Help me, help me God. I hear the stories every day of how Agag has plundered the chosen people, the children of God. I see and I watch as flesh and sin destroys people in this church. I'm not talking about the church down the road. I'm talking about this church and this house, the people I love. And I understand it. Because I have witnessed Agag destroy lives. Samuel got out there and he hacked Agag into pieces. Doing what Saul wouldn't do. And you better listen to me for, for just a moment. If you do not deal with Agag, Agag will deal with you. If you don't kill Agag today, kill him. Agag will kill you. How do I know this? 
You end the chapter of 1 Samuel, and you can write this down. You can end the chapter of 1 Samuel, and the Bible says that Saul, he's still warring and fighting with the Philistines. And the enemy comes in and invades Saul and his sons, Jonathan. They've been attacked by archers, the Bible says, and they are wounded, and they know they're going to die. Saul is still alive, but he's dying. And the Bible says he goes to commit suicide. He calls for a sword and he gets the sword in his stomach and he leans on the sword. And he goes as far as he can until he can't take it anymore. There he is, propped up on his sword, alive. And the Philistines are coming and they're going to torment him. And he sees someone coming by and he stops them and he says, Hey, push me onto this sword. Kill me. They're going to torment me. And this young man comes to David in 2 Samuel chapter 1 and he's holding the king's garments Saul's garments and David sees him he comes before David and David says where did you get those? and he said I've come to tell you Saul is dead he said how do you know that? And why do you have his clothes? he said because I seen Saul Wounded. He tried to commit suicide but couldn't finish it. He called me over there and asked me if I would thrust the sword into his side, and I did. David said, Tell me who you are. Ready? Tell me who you are. He said, I'm a foreigner. An Amalekite. If you don't deal with Agag, if you don't deal with the Amalekites in your life, the Amalekites will deal with you. If you do not kill Agag, Today, Agag will eventually kill you. So what am I saying? I'm saying you better get sin out of your life. You better Get, you better stop that affair. You better stop hoeing around with everybody. Is that okay? You better stop having sin on the side thinking it won't bother you. It's still sin. Don't think you got control of it because you don't. It has control of you. Tell the drug addict just a little bit is okay. They'll tell you it ain't okay. They'll tell you a little bit will throw them into a, a high that they'll never come down from. They'll tell you this. They don't know if they can ever take another drink or another snort or a shoot up another time because that next time might be their death. You better get that serious about sin. You say, I can't do it. I'm trying to be a better person and I got this fight going on, this struggle going on. Let me tell you just something real quick. If you're not saved, you can't do this. You are a slave to your flesh and you have no weapons. You have no weapons for warfare. You cannot fight this thing. You are a sitting duck. You are done for. You cannot do this on your own. You cannot become better. You cannot 
say no to the flesh. The flesh owns you. You are led by the flesh. And the only way you're going to overcome the flesh is to give your life to Jesus Christ today. And that's a beautiful picture of Samuel. Samuel did what you cannot do. He killed and annihilated Agag. And that's exactly what Jesus done on the cross. That's exactly what Jesus done on the cross. He slaughtered Agag. How can I say no to sin, Pastor? You can say no to sin because Jesus said yes to the cross. You can say no to sin because Jesus said yes to the cross. I want the musicians and the singers to come. You can live not dominated by sin. Let me ask you this. Does does sin bother you? Now, I really want to know. Does sin bother you? Do you hate sin? Let me share a story with you. Let me share a story with you. It's back in Genesis. There's a guy by the name of Joseph. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Forget what they're doing. And Joseph, Joseph is, has already been sold into slavery by his brothers. And it looks like things are going to be bad for Joseph, but God's got Joseph. And Joseph winds up being the manager of a man named Potiphar's estate and all that he has. Joseph is had more, got more money than he's ever had. God's given him favor. Things are looking good for Joseph. And at one time, things looked really bad. The Bible chronicles his life. One account of his life that stands out to me is Joseph, the Bible says, was given everything that he had. He had control of everything of Potiphar's house except one thing. That was Potiphar's wife. Well, Joseph is doing his normal duties and Potiphar's wife comes to Joseph and says, hey, why don't you come have sex with me? Nobody will ever know it. It's not that big of a deal. And Joseph says, get away from me. No, huh? Something to that effect. Back off. Floozy. Whatever. She tries again and again, and he keeps on saying no. Well, this, she's had it. So if she can't have him, nobody can have him. So she comes to him one more time. He says, lay with me, Joseph. And Joseph runs. And I like that. It would do some of y'all some good to run from sin. Maybe you ain't got no Maybe you ain't got a lot of willpower. And you can't just sit around and talk about it and say, well, I don't know if I really should. I don't know. Maybe I need to pray about it. There's some things you ain't got to pray about. There's some things you just say no and run. You and you meant the fact that, hey, there's some places you can't hang around. There's some places you can't go. There's some people you can't be around. There's some things you just can't do. And it don't matter if other people are doing them. There's some, some things you got to say. I can't stay here. I got to go. And if you got to run away, run away. Run away with a clear conscience. 
Run away and not be stained by sin. He ran. Well, when he was running, she grabbed his clothes, his garment, and ripped it slap off of him. Is that how the story goes? Something like that. Is that correct? His coat. There he goes, running through the house, butt naked. You know what she says? He raped me. He tried to come on to me. Right before that, Joseph said, he had a talk with her. He said, let me tell you why I'm not going to do what you want me to do. And this is such a picture of the new covenant, the covenant of grace. He said, the reason I'm not going to lay with you is because my master has already given me everything but you. And if God, I read through the Bible and God told him in the garden at the very beginning, you got everything. You can have everything in this garden, but don't touch those trees. And flesh has always thought, but I wonder what those trees are. I wonder what it would be like, the thrill, the fantasy. I wonder how it would feel. I'll tell you how it would feel. feel like guilt, condemnation, shame. It feel like you're a million miles from God, and it ain't worth it. Joseph said, he's, he's given me everything but you, and there's a reason behind it. And then he said, and if I sinned, it would not only be against sin against me and a sin against you, but it'd be a sin against God. What am I saying? Joseph knew the love of the master. And you want to know how to quit sinning? Fall in love with God. You want to know how to get out of that affair? Run, run, run. You want to know how to stop giving yourself to everybody that gives you attention? Run. Realize how much God loves you. Quit saying yes to everything and start saying no to some things. You know how to, you know how to get that? Are you listening? You know how not to go back to those drugs? You make it personal. It ain't a sin against me. It ain't a sin against my family. Oh, it is. But it's a sin against my God. What am I saying? See that wall? See that wall right there? You know, you look at the wall. See it? If I wrote every sin that I could think of and ask you to help me and you to help me and you, and we come up with a plethora, that means a lot, buried many of sins and then at the bottom we said and don't do them you know what would happen we'd still do them you know how I know because God gave us ten ten zero. And guess what? He said, if you break one of them, you broke all of them. And the power is not in the rules and the regulations and in the list. And I can give you a thousand and it won't help you. You know what's going to help you? Fall in love with God. Fall in love with Jesus. Love God more than you love the world. Love God more than you love sin. You love God more than you love the flesh. Love God more than you love that one time moment. Love God more than you love sin and the flesh and the devil. Love God. Fall in love with Jesus. How do I do that? Let me tell you a story. 
Jesus. Never done anything wrong, never committed any sin. But it was all the plan of God. God gave him up for me and you. Said, you came to live. You didn't come to live, you came to die. You were born to die. It was a plan from the very beginning. When Jesus was 33 years old, he done miracles, he done all kinds of things, but the greatest miracle of all would be when he would be crucified, suspended between heaven and earth on a hill called Golgotha. He would tote his own instrument of death, a wooden rough cut beam, cross, and he would carry that cross up the hill. Got so much, so bad, so heavy, because he had already been beaten to a pulp, strapped to a whipping post where he would be beaten. Would kill most any other man. But then he was not through. He picked up his cross and he carried it until he couldn't carry it no more. And then Simon the Cyrenian would come up beside him and help him carry that cross. When the cross got to where it was, they rolled Jesus over onto the cross and they drove nails into his wrist and into his feet. Never done anything. This sin me and you are talking about he never committed it. He went to this cross and they raised the cross up and the weight of his body came down on those nails. Can you imagine the pain? Side, riven, cut, just to breathe he'd have to push up on those nails with his feet so that his lungs could expand soak up air suck up air so he could breathe between the hours of 12 and 3 o'clock something happened the sun hid Darkness covered the face of the earth. We're told later on what happened. Every sin that we would ever commit, past, present, future, all of our sin. Jesus in that hour bore them upon his body And when it looked like it was all over, I'm boring you today. When it looked like it was all over, he pushed back up one more time and cried out, It is finished. An earthquake shook the land. And a veil that stood between us and God was ripped from the top to the bottom, giving us access to God himself through Jesus Christ. And what kept us from God, our sin, God couldn't look at us, God couldn't see us, God couldn't hear us. We were unworthy while we were yet sinners. Over 2,000 years ago, Christ died for me and you. Fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus. While you were yet a sinner, before you ever thought about going to church, before you ever thought about doing right or wanting to do right, right in the middle of your sin, Jesus died for you. This story, this gospel, that's what it is. Jesus 
taking on our sin so that we would have forgiveness of sin and our lives would be whole and made complete if we just placed our trust in Him. If God had to do this for sin, to break the penalty of sin, you see, is death. He broke the penalty of sin. If it's so important and it took all that, why do we want to play with it? What do I do, Pastor? You expose your sin today. If it's a some of you husbands and wives, you need to grab each other's hands. You need to go down to this altar. Some of you need to take your children. Some of you need to take yourself. You need to get down to this altar. And you need to get to business with God. You may not have a tomorrow. You better expose sin before sin exposes you. Are you hearing me this morning? Stand with me all across the building. Don't go out this door. Just hold on. They're going to sing a song. And if you got sin in your life, brother, sister, if you got sin in your life, and don't give me no... I'm talking about there's some people you need to... This is your last warning. This is your last warning. I believe I'm talking to somebody and this is this might be your I'm not threatening you with me warning you I'm saying this might be your last warning from God Did I tell you this? I don't remember. That if you don't deal with it your children will have to deal with it. Did I tell you that? There's some things if you don't handle today, your kids will be dealing with it tomorrow. Are you okay with the sin in your life? I'm telling you this morning, this is the, this is the call. This is the altar call. Here's an altar call. And it is an altar call. And it is for repentance and remorse and brokenness and exposing sin and getting it out of your life. That's what this altar call is about. It's a serious altar call. It's about business today. And it's for you and you and you, all of you up here too. And everybody in the back, I don't care if you're a leader, a teacher, a preacher, a pastor. And it makes no difference to me. This is a word for all of us today. Father, these altars now, I open them up. And an altar is a place where things die. So Lord, I pray that we take our sin, we expose it today, and we put it to death. If you're fornicating today, take it to the altar. If you're cheating, if you're lying today, if there's things in your life, promiscuity, if there's things in your life today, take it to the altar. Everybody in this place should be at the altar today. If there's something you know God's dealing with you about and you're okay with it, that ain't okay. I'm telling you, I'm begging you, I'm crying out to you. Move this. Move, Josh, run up. Come on. Move this out of the way.
I'm begging you. I'm begging you, church. I'm on my knees begging you today. If things aren't right between you and God, if there's sin in your life, unrepented of sin, habitual sin in your life, please, please get it out. Get it out. You say you're picking on me. You're picking on sins today. No, I'm not. I'm saying that whatever it is, whatever the sin is, don't leave it there today. Cry out to God. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. If you were, please feel free to share on social media, subscribe, or leave us a review. We can't wait for you to join us here again.